formation. And I don't know about you, but I'm having a blast with this series. Uh, and one of the things that, that I'm loving about it is that it is so practical. We hear a lot that it is so important to follow Jesus. Uh, but that can be really, that can be abstract. It can be like, what, do, what does that actually look like when I'm make, you know, getting Cheerios for my kids in the morning or hurrying off to work or in the middle of a frustrating circumstance? Like, what does it actually look like? In this series, Spiritual Formation, um, we're getting really practical about what it looks like to actually do the things Jesus says to do. And when we do the things Jesus says to do, it changes us, not because, not because of our actions. We can't possibly get to God because of our good actions. But when we put ourselves before Him and we say, God, I'm just going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you serious. We're, we're putting ourselves in a place where He can actually do a, a mighty, deep work inside of our heart and change even our desires. Like, God actually, you know, He does that. You know, for those of you that have been following Jesus for a long time, uh, if you've been living in obedience to Him, you'll, you'll start to realize, like, your desires change. You start to desire the things God desires, and you stop desiring the things He doesn't desire. Not because of good works, not like you have to, you know, fight and earn it. It's like something changes in your heart, and that's what this, this series is all about. And today, uh, we're going to look at one of my favorite topics, and I'm, I'm guessing that the word is not a word that makes you feel super excited, okay? And, and I, I realize that. So we're talking today about study. And I just want to uh, ask this question. I get, I'm easily distracted. You probably never noticed that. So uh, I just want to ask you this, this question. When you hear the word study, what memories come to mind? I, some of my kids are in high school. I can tell you, study is not something that they're excited about. Like, this is exam week. Uh, high schoolers this week are not like, this is awesome. I get to study biology and chemistry and, you know... Uh, and so probably for a lot of us, we remember that. Uh, for me, when I think of study, when I was 16, I was pretty excited to get my license, as you can imagine. I'm, a, I'm kind of a go-getter personality, and I couldn't wait to drive the car so that I could just do whatever I wanted and leave the house and all this stuff. And so my best friend at the time, he was like, he's three weeks older than I am, and uh, he just didn't study for the test, and he aced it. And he was like, oh, Nathan, you don't need to study for that test. It's easy. Like, you've been driving around with your parents. You've seen people drive. It's all super, it's obvious. It's easy. I was like, okay, cool. So, so I go take the test, and I fail, okay, the, the written test. And I'm, like, mad at him. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have to study, okay? Like, and then I was thinking, like, obviously, I'm, I'm dumber than him. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. So, so I didn't study again, and I took it a second time, and I failed the written test. And so then that got my attention, and I was like, I'm going to study. So I actually read the book and did some studies, and, and I passed the written part of it the third time. And he went to the dollar store, and he bought, he bought this, like, styrofoam cutout of a number two with all these driving signs, like, so that I could post it on my wall in my room and just be reminded that I failed this thing two times. Uh, third time's a charm, I guess. So, passed. But that comes to mind, and, and uh, I don't know for you what comes to mind when you think of study, but my hope today is to impart something to you, where you just, you come away with this realization that that study, in a spiritual sense, can actually be transformative, absolutely life-changing and transformative. And for me personally, I've learned about myself in my journey of following Jesus that study is actually one of the main ways I connect with God. Like, there are times in my life where I'm wrestling through something in my walk or in my faith, 
and I'll go and I'll spend time with God and I'll study. And, I'm, and, and it's, it's interesting because worshiping with you all this morning, I was just sensing God's presence. I don't know if you did, but there's just this sense of God's presence. There's this anticipation. It was awesome. There's been moments I'm, I'm reading about God and questions that I've wrestled with are being answered, and I have sensed the presence of God as strong as I was sensing it this morning, just worshiping God alongside of you. Okay? So some people, that's kind of how they, they operate. Maybe, maybe you're a person who, who you've got intellectual questions about the faith, or you've got intellectual questions about the Bible where you're like, yeah, I kind of, you know, I respect that, you know, people have faith, uh, but for me, there's just some questions in there that are, are unanswerable or they don't make sense or it's not logical and I can't really engage with it. Maybe that's, maybe that's you. And, and if that's the case, study may actually be one of the ways you connect with God on a deep and a profound level. And when God, I'll just put this out for you, when, when God reveals something to you in the context of study, that is an encounter with God. That is Him speaking to you in a rich and a deep and a meaningful way. And he likes to do that. God actually likes, he loves to speak to us and challenge us in a, in a worship service like this. And, and it's incredible and it's amazing. But when you're, when you're home and you're even wrestling through something, and maybe you're here today and you're kind of a skeptic or you'd consider yourself an agnostic, I would challenge you that if you'll, if you'll study in a spiritual sense, put yourself before God, even if you're not fully convinced as of yet, you'll be surprised at what God will do. And you may just have this encounter where you're aware of his presence while you're studying uh, in a deep and a profound way, studying His, his Word and His truth. So we're, uh, study is the one we're, we're on. You can put that slide up, Corinna. We're doing 12 uh, spiritual disciplines, and today is the fourth one, uh, study. And uh, this is just one, and I'm encouraging us as we do this to, to engage with the practical application uh, for the week that we're studying uh, that specific one. And, and even if it's not something you've done before, at least engage with it and, and just see what the Lord might do. Our theme overall verse is Galatians 2.20, and this is Paul's testimony. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that is Paul's testimony. He's saying, I used to live a certain way. Now I'm living in such a way that it's not Paul anymore, it's Jesus in me. That is the whole point of this series, is that Paul wasn't saying those words to say, hey, look at me, I'm this awesome Christian, you should all read my books. He, that was not his goal. He did write a lot of books, 13 of them, okay? And we read them today and they're the scriptures. But the reason he shared that testimony in Galatians chapter 2 is he's saying, something changed. It's not me anymore, it's Christ in me. And what he's saying is that all of us here can actually experience and encounter Jesus in that same way. So I'm, I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to jump into to study and uh, see what the Lord uh, challenges us with and has to say. Lord, uh, as we engage with this, this discipline of, of study, uh, I just pray that you would speak to us in such a way that we would hear your voice. There's so many different practices we can engage with as your followers, or even for those of us who may not yet be your followers, we can engage with these practices where, at, where we're putting ourselves before you and saying, Lord, you do the work. And so, Lord, would you just speak to us and open our ears to hear what you're saying, our eyes to see what you're doing, and may we encounter you uh, in a life-changing way. May we become more aware of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's a definition for you. Uh, Bible study involves engaging the mind 
and focusing attention on Scripture in an attempt to understand and apply truth to every part of my life. Okay, so that's a, a working definition of what we're talking about, study. In Hosea, I'm going to read a couple Scripture verses, and then I'll, I'll uh, get into our main one, but just that, that they, they uh, speak to this, this topic. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God says this. He says, "'My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge.'" Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. You know, these, the reason these verses are important, this is kind of a harsh rebuke, but, but what God is saying is He's like, He's talking to this group of people and He's saying, you're, you're going off your own way. You know, you're, you're, you're taking your own thoughts and thinking they're my thoughts and you're doing things that are so far from me, you're rejecting knowledge. He's calling people back. He's saying, don't be led by your emotions. Don't just be led by your feelings. Like, take my word and my truth seriously, and, and I will lead you, right? He's calling us back to this uh, knowledge that points to Him. In 2 Timothy 2.15, this is from the King James Version because it kind of hits the nail on the head uh, with talking about study. It says, study to shew. You guys use that word anymore? It was like kind of come out in your regular conversation. Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so, uh, study is, is very important. And, and I'll just say, too, it's not everybody's main way of connecting with God. Uh, a couple years ago, we did uh, a study through uh, a book. Well, it was, it was in one sermon. It was called The Nine Sacred Pathways, written by a pastor named Gary Thomas. And he talks about nine different ways people connect with God. And one of those ways, he didn't use the word study, he used the word intellection. And you're just saying some people more naturally, they, they wrestle with things and they have to work things out in their mind, and, and that's one of the ways they connect with God. And sometimes that gets downplayed in the church context. You know, there's, you know, depending on who the leadership of a church is, leadership may emphasize one kind of main way of connecting with God. And if you connect with God in a different way, you might feel out of place or like you don't, you know, you can't relate with God or connect with Him or hear His voice. And, and uh, so for me, study, when I started learning about study being one of, the, one of the ways people connect with God in a deep way, it was encouraging to me. Because I remember a conversation I had with my dad uh, on a beach. And my dad, my dad is this, and he's been here quite a few times, he's this like meditator, okay? So you put him on a beach somewhere, and he's just lost in this world of meditation. He like looks at the waves, and he sees the trees like along the, the coast, and, and, and God speaks to him. He'll have like pictures of, of, of God and how he works with the world just based on everything that he's seeing. And we were on the beach one day, this was years ago, and he was like, you know, Nathan, he's like, he's looking out at the water, and he was like, this is just like the magnificence of God is on full display. Like he was just in one of his like meditative states. He's like, you know, it's kind of annoying. He's like, you get people in a place like this, and they just want to talk about like doctrine and, and theology. He's like, it just takes away from the beauty. And, and it was so funny because I was like, I'm kind of the guy, like, I could sit on a beach and we could talk theology for hours and it would just feed my soul, okay? And so it was this funny comment where I realized, like, not all of us connect with God in the same way. God has actually made you and I unique. I mean, you all know this, like, your thumbprint is the only thumbprint in existence, okay? Your DNA is the only DNA in, ex- in existence, each snowflake is different. God is all about uniqueness. And sometimes we communicate about Him in ways that make it sound like everybody has to be a certain way or think the same way, and that's not true. God actually embraces uniqueness. And so this was super uh, encouraging for me. And I, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 17, 
And if you read the weekly email, you will be aware of the term we're going to read about. Because every week, I invite you, okay, so long before this specific topic started, uh, I invite you every week to be a Berean. So if you read the weekly email, there's a section every week called Be a Berean. And it comes from what we're going to read today. And the reason I do that is because I, in that section of the email, I, I give you an idea. Here's, what, here's the main sermon text we're going to be preaching about. And I encourage you, read it, think about it, meditate on it, and ask God to speak to you. Don't just take my word for it. Okay? That's one of the things that, like, as a, as a preacher who, who regularly talks about the Scriptures, I don't want you just taking my word for everything. Like, God has called me to be the pastor. He's called me to be the spiritual leader. I take that very seriously. Like, it is something that's very close to my heart. I want to honor him in what I communicate and what I teach, all those kinds of things. But I want you to grow in your confidence of hearing from God. And at Berean, you're gonna, we're going to read about them really briefly here. It was a group of people that they, were, they loved what the Apostle Paul was saying, but then they were like, yeah, but does the Bible support what he's saying? Or is this just Paul and his charismatic intellectual ability convincing us all of something? And what they would do is they would go home and they would uh, investigate the Scriptures to find out if what he was saying was true. And that's my encouragement. Transformation Church, like I want for us to be a church of Bereans, where maybe you come on a Sunday and you hear me or one of the other preachers talking and you're like, yeah, that sounded good, that sounded awesome, but like, does the Bible support that? Like those are good questions to ask, okay? Be a Berean. So in, in Acts chapter 17... Uh, Paul is, he's on his second missionary journey, and if you're familiar, Paul goes around and he preaches the gospel to all these different towns and he plants churches. Some of them receive willingly and churches are planted, and some of them throw Paul in prison. So Paul is coming to Berea, the context of what we're going to read from, he just got released on bail, okay? If you're, if you're here today and you've been released on bail and you're like, I don't know if I fit in to a church setting, you do, okay? <laughs> the guy we're reading about today, he's, he's released on, on bail, and, and he goes into this next city called Berea, and, and listen to what happens. We're just going to read uh, three verses. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day, to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent uh, Greek women and men. But do you catch that? They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth because Paul and Silas were very convincing teachers. They were smart and they were charismatic and they knew their stuff, right? But the people were like, I don't want to be just sucked in by that. I want to know if it's actually true. And what I would say to you as a warning, like, you can open YouTube, you can go online, you can listen to the best communicators in the world that all have divergent opinions on various topics. Okay, so you just think of a hot topic issue in culture. If, if you're not uh, somebody who's like in an echo chamber and you're, you actually want to listen to all of the different opinions on a topic, you could be all over, the, and you're listening to brilliant people that are disagreeing with each other, and most of the people you're listening to are probably far smarter than you. And I'm not saying that as like a knock. I experience this on a regular basis where I'm trying to wrestle through, what do I believe on something? And I'll listen to somebody and I'm like, yeah, that must be true. And then I'll listen to somebody who's on the other side of it and I'm like, oh, that must be true. Both of them are smarter than I am, more well-researched on it, and they disagree. And so it's easy to be sucked in by somebody's brilliance or intelligence. And this is what was not happening to the believers in Berea because they listened to Paul and they were like, yeah, his message is pretty incredible, but is it true? 
So they went and they dug and they searched the scriptures to find out if it's true. And, and I, my desire is that we would be a church that would do the same, where we're like, I'm not going to be led by some person. We're, we could be influenced. We have respect. We can honor authority, all those great things. But it's the scriptures that reveal truth, not a person. It's the scriptures that speak on behalf of God without fail. Humans have flaws and, and say things that are off base. And so that's why the people in Berea experienced this incredible revival was because they went back and they took serious Paul's message, but they said, is it true? And then they found out that, sure, it is, it is true. In, in John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You're my disciples if you remain true to my teachings. And do you know that every person here in this room, like you can, you can faithfully remain true to the teachings of Jesus and you can walk in freedom. And study is one of the ways to do that where you're like, okay, God, I want to take what you say seriously. And so you, you, in, you invest yourself into it and, and you study and you're like, okay, God, teach me. I'm, I'm open. So, so all I want to do today, I'm going to just quickly work through these uh, three frameworks, and then we're going we're to close with a couple songs and have an opportunity just to say, God, I'm going to say yes to taking this more seriously. But I want to just give you three frameworks for studying uh, that I think will be helpful. They've been helpful for me. And so they're, uh, the Wesleyan quadrilateral is one, exegesis, not eisegesis, and then how to read, okay? And, and you'll see uh, what we're talking about with that one. So uh, I want to, one framework, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, and don't get hung up on the language of that. Uh, John Wesley was a preacher back in the 1700s, and this framework called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral, um, nobody thought of it until like 60 years ago, okay? <laughs> but based on Wesley's way of understanding Scripture, and he was an incredibly influential preacher of God. He saw God do amazing things. He sparked revivals. Uh, people that have studied him have said, like, how did, he, how did he land on certain topics? How did he know what was true, confident enough to preach it and teach it? And so somebody 60, 70 years ago uh, they came up with this, uh, it's called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral to help people wrestle through what they believe. And so there's a picture up on the screen. And you can, uh, you can just listen to this. You can take a picture of that. Um, but the, the Wesleyan Quadrilateral is scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And so I just want you to think about a topic for a second. So a topic like hell, okay? Depending on the church you go to, you'll hear hell talked about differently. Sometimes hell is used as a scare tactic. If you don't give your life to Jesus, you're going to go to hell for all eternity. And it's just like God kind of seems like this angry, vindictive being that's going to punish anybody who doesn't say the sinner's prayer. Okay, you go to some churches and, and they're like, oh, I don't know, hell doesn't really exist. It's kind of a metaphor, right? And, and you go to some other places that talk about a different way. So just, just think about that topic, hell. The, the Wesleyan quadrilateral is this framework where, do you see where Scripture is on this, this picture, Right? It's the base. So scripture, scripture is our go-to. Scripture is our source. Like, what does the Scriptures have to say about this? And not just one Scripture in one place where you heard somebody give an interpretation on, but like the whole of Scripture. Like, what does it say from beginning to end? What does God have to say about this topic? Scripture is huge. And then tradition. You might, if you're going to study a topic like hell and try to wrestle through something, you might try to discover, like, what have Christians said about this topic over the last 2,000 years? We're not the first generation to wrestle through some of these big questions. So what have people said about it for the last couple thousand years? 
reason. You know, you, God has given you reason. Remember in Isaiah when God says, come, let us reason together? Like it's this invitation. God actually invites you and I to use our reason and our logic to wrestle through things with Him. One of my favorite things in Scripture is that God, God calls these people to follow Him, and they have these powerful ministries, and, and He lets them use their faulty reasoning to converse with Him, this Almighty God. We did a series a little while ago about David. David is this flawed human who worshiped a holy God. And if you study David's life, you can see that he had faulty logic, faulty reason on things, but he had this relationship with God where God had let him work some of that stuff out, and David came to a deeper understanding of the truth and realization of God, right? So, so Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Experience is kind of uh, lower on the list of importance in this framework, but our experience matters. You know, what has been our experience when we're wrestling through some topic or some difficulty? What, what have we heard? What have, uh, what have we felt? What have we sensed God saying and doing? And so that's, that's one uh, framework for, for study. And if you're going to uh, investigate something, I just encourage you to think through those things. The second framework is exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay, so those are maybe big words that are a little bit confusing. Don't get hung up on them. Um, but just, just as a, a guide for, for those of you that are going to spend more time studying, exegesis means to take the Scriptures and say, what, is, what, what did the Scriptures mean when they said such and such? Like, what would the people who heard it for the first time have understood? That's exegesis. Eisegesis is when you come to the Scripture with a belief that you feel strongly about, and you try to force that into the Scriptures. As an example, you see that in politics all the time, okay? So there's lots of division in the church over political issues. There's always a political issue going on. For the last 2,000 years, there's always been political stuff. And sometimes people get really passionate about what they want to see happening in their city or their country, and then they go to the Scripture and they start ripping verses out to support their opinion on a certain matter. And it's kind of hard to tell sometimes that they're doing this thing called eisegesis, where they're taking something out of its context and they're putting their interpretation into it. And I would just warn you as you, as you study, like, be somebody who says, God, I, I want to I actually understand what you have to say. I don't want to take my convictions and force it back into your word and use that for my own benefit. You know, one of my favorite preachers, he often talks about, he says, uh, when we go to the Scriptures like, we're dealing with the truth of God. If you can't be offended by the, the Scriptures, you're not reading them properly, right? He's saying, like, if, if, if we say, if we mean what we say when we say that the Scriptures are God's Word, he says, don't you think that when you pick that up and you apply it to your life, you'll be convicted and offended sometimes? Like, we're dealing with the holy God that created the universe out of nothing, he is brilliant. He is magnificent. He is above. He is beyond. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Surely, there's going to be times where we're, we're going along and we start to understand something. We go, man, I've got to change course on this because God has revealed something that's true. Exegesis does that. When you're like, okay, God, what is it you're saying? Not what I think you're saying. Like, what are you actually saying? And we let the Lord speak to us through His Word as we study and as we take it serious. So exegesis, not eisegesis. And then the third one, and then I just want to give a couple practical um, tips for this. But the third one is, is learning to read. But uh, there's a couple, you can put the next slide up, Corey. Uh, there's a couple different 
ways of, under, uh, of learning to read. This also applies to conversations. So we're, when you talk about a divisive topic, okay, so in the first one, reading in general, most people don't do this. And I'll just put myself out there and say that. Understand, interpret, and evaluate. So you think about a topic you feel strongly about, and you meet somebody who feels strongly about the other side of that issue, and the fight, you know, gets going, and sometimes it gets crazy. You know what happens most times in those conversations? People don't understand each other. Like, they're talking, and they don't understand where they're coming from. My, uh, my favorite preacher, I reference him all the time, Timothy Keller. Um, if you follow Dave on Instagram, he posts Tim Keller sermons all the time. It's good stuff. Tim Keller, he's brilliant. He, he's, he's, he planted a church in New York City, okay, arguably the most uh, secular place, the most atheistic city in North America, the most influential city there. And Tim Keller, he often preaches on topics that are really divisive. And, and he speaks to people that are skeptical, people that are agnostic, people that are part of different other, other religions. But do you know why his church grew in leaps and bounds in New York City, one of the most secular cities in America? It's because when he talks about something that he knows a lot of people in his, his crowd are going to disagree with, he understands the other side of it so well. So there's been lots of times where I have questions about the Bible. Like, why, is, why does God act so violently in this passage of Scripture? How do, how do we reconcile that with a loving God? You know, some of the, the teaching in Scripture on, on gender and sexuality, like, why, why, is, why is the wording in here the way that it is, and how do we, you know, wrestle with that in our context? And I've heard Tim Keller brilliantly, he teaches the Scriptures, but what he does is, is he'll, come, he'll understand the other side of the argument so well, he'll explain it so well that even people that believe that are going, yeah, he just said everything that I believe. And then he'll, and then he'll go to Scripture and he'll say, and here's what God has to say, and by the end of it, you're going... I don't think I can even argue that. Like the wisdom and brilliance of God is so far above the wisdom and brilliance of man. And so I would encourage you just for reading in general, like seek to understand and then interpret and then evaluate. It's actually good. It's good to understand arguments from the other side. It's good to understand things you don't agree with. And if you understand it, then you can interpret it and evaluate it well. When it comes to Scripture, here's my, my challenge to you in reading Scripture, and this will help with the application of, of what uh, we're talking about here. Understand, observe, interpret, and apply. So if you're somebody who wants to, to study, you take the Scriptures, okay? Seek first to, to actually understand it, not, not to rip a verse out of its context and apply it to your life in some way. Like, like God, what is it you're actually saying? Like, understand it, you know, in, a, in an intellectual way, in a spiritual way, understand it. Make observations, like, you know, this person in this story would have thought this or said this or came from this background. Interpret it and then apply it to your life. And, and it takes work. So maybe this whole concept of studying and going deeper is an intimidating thought uh, for you. But I would encourage you, even, at a, even if it's at a beginner's level, to do your best to do that in your, your time with Jesus. If it means setting aside a half an hour a day and you feel like you're only making small headway, that's okay. Ask God to meet you there. So maybe you have a question like, are humans all evil and wicked? Does God really intend to punish people? What does it actually mean to be saved? What is the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection in my life? Take, take the Gospel of Luke, okay, for example, and understand, observe, interpret, apply. Take a year in the Gospel of Luke and just work through it several times with this process. Read some you know, commentaries about it or some other things people have to say about it. And just invest in it. Seek to understand. Make observations. Interpret. 
and apply. Or if that sounds crazy to you, you're like, oh, you're in Luke? Like, maybe start with a book like uh, Philemon or Galatians, which are smaller, and read it every day. Take you 20 minutes. Like, read it every day for a month. Just take the Scriptures seriously. Say, God, I'm going to, like, I want to do this. I've never actually done this. I, I, I read, like, little bits and pieces of my devotions, and then I, I hope something sticks out to me on a Sunday morning. Like, pick a, 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 a book like that, Galatians or Philemon, and just read it every day. Say, God, speak to me. And make, make it your goal to understand it. Make observations about what's being said. Notice the words that are being used. Read it in a few different translations. Interpret. Apply to your life. Uh, here, here's how I want to close. I just want to give a, a couple suggestions. Uh, first, first is, there's a couple books, if you're interested and you can write these down. Uh, if, if study is, and this is not, this is a, not a typical sermon, by the way. Um, it's kind of a different uh, sermon than, than usual, uh, but I hope it's something that's, that's really challenging you to take some steps in your walk with Jesus, okay? Uh, and so, uh, there's some application here, but if you're like, yeah, I don't even know where I'd start, okay? Maybe you're intimidated by that thought. These are a couple books, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, um, by these two authors. It's a fabulous book that helps kind of prime you for, for getting, getting yourself into the rhythm of, of study. Uh, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes is a brilliant book. Do you know that you and I, we do eisegesis all the time because we are Western people for the most part. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm not Western. Maybe you've immigrated here, okay? And you, you, maybe you've noticed there's some things here in the West. We have these certain perceptions and ideas that are very different from what you're used to. Well, we actually take that into our Bible study time, and sometimes we misread Scripture because we have this 21st century Western democratic mindset, and we're trying to read the Bible, which was written in, in a very non-democratic worldview 2,000 years ago, and we misread a lot, right? And so a couple of these books are just great resources to, to get you started. And, and maybe you think this is, maybe it's like, oh, this is time-consuming or it's expensive. Um, you, you see this? This gut right here? You see that? I spent money on that, okay? <laughs> now, my son, I think he's downstairs, Malachi, um, I just got him a gym membership at Planet Fitness because he wants to work out. And I've been wanting to work out more because after 30, I've realized, like, like, like I, I'm, I'm very conscious a lot of times. I'm like, I just I don't let that thing hanging out. And uh, I've, had, I've had friends, there's, uh, people here that have been like, I've noticed a bit of a belly on you, Nathan, right? I've, I've, like, I've heard that said to me. And so if I want this to get better, right? If I want to, like, work that off, I'm, I'm going to spend money on doing that, right? It's, and if we say that's worth it, like, somebody buys a gym membership and they start going at it, you're like, hey, that's great, good, good job, right? You're, you're making progress, right? Spiritually, do the same thing. Like, if you want to grow in your walk with Jesus, maybe some of this stuff is new to you, and you're like, oh, it's expensive or it's time-consuming, but, like, do you, want to, do you want to encounter Jesus in every part of your life? Like, invest in doing that. We invest in other things, and, and sometimes those things we invest in don't lead to, to great results. Uh, I would encourage you, if the Lord is speaking to you or challenging you in this way, be willing uh, to make the investment. And, and as you do, trust God to, like, we only have this little tiny bit to offer, and then God does the miracle. You know, if you like to study, like, that's not, study alone isn't going to bring you close to Jesus. What Jesus Christ did on the cross is what makes us right with God. He has accomplished the impossible. But if we're like, okay, I'm going to take the little bit that I have, God, like, for me, studying makes sense. Like, I'm going, to, I'm going to just, like, make that attempt. We bring ourselves to him a half an hour a day. We just start to invest. He does the impossible work in our heart. Here's the last uh, suggestion slide. So there's this, you, you can look down through this, but I encourage you, um, block off time to read a whole book of the Bible in one sitting. Like, 
set aside three hours and read the Gospel of Luke someday. If, if that sounds crazy for you, listen to it as an audible book. Like, go on the Bible app, hit, hit play, it'll read it to you. And just notice the way Luke wrote the Gospel. Each Gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have specific goals to, to, to the, that they're writing with. And if you take this seriously, you can start to discern what those goals are and encounter Jesus in the midst of it. Choose a smaller book to read every day for a month, like we talked about. Book a study retreat. Maybe you've never done that. Like, book some time away to be like, you know what? I, I have wrestled with the topic of hell. I do wrestle with the Christian teaching on sexuality. You know, I, I, maybe, maybe the Christian teaching on sexuality has been a turnoff for you, or maybe, maybe you've really, uh, you, you've enjoyed it and you've had kind of one view and you've noticed that it's really difficult to communicate that view uh, in the world that we live in. Don't just take people's word for it. Like, say, Lord, I'm gonna, I want to know your mind on this. I don't care what people think. I want to know what you have to say. You know, book some time to say, God, I want to hear your mind on it. Uh, dig into a topic you struggle with. Find a mentor who can guide you. I had a, a mentor years ago before I went to Bible school. He took me under his wing, and it was at a time I was wrestling with some major questions about the Bible and about Jesus. And this guy came into my life at that time, and, and I made this decision. I was like, Lord, if he gives me a book recommendation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. If he tells me something to do, I'm just going to do it. And I did, and it changed my life. I don't think I'd be pastoring here in Thunder Bay today if not for that relationship. God, by, the, by God's grace, uh, he came into my life at this really opportune time, and he helped guide me through some of this stuff, not just giving me all the answers in a spoon-fed way. It was like he was helping me to go deeper and do some digging to, to encounter Jesus. Uh, take a course. You know, I'm, I don't have time to go into it today, but there's like these incredible free courses with Bible Project and, and Kingswood Learn where you can, you can do a deeper study into Ephesians or into biblical languages and at an at entry-level um, way. So uh, I'm going to invite the team to come up, and I'm going to read one um, more passage of Scripture as the team comes up. We're going to close with a couple songs. Uh, I want to read in Galatians chapter 5. And Galatians is the book that I'm doing a bit of a deeper dive in right now. It's a powerful, powerful book. Uh, listen to what Paul says in verses 7 through 10 of Galatians chapter 5. He says, and this is a group of people that they were actually walking with Jesus in a really uh, life-changing way. And then some teachers came in. So this is why this, this applies so well. There were some teachers that came in and, and distracted the Galatians with false teaching. And the Galatians, they didn't quite see it. They were, they were being led astray by false teaching. And Paul, he's their pastor. He's the guy that started the church. He gets angry, okay? He's like their father figure. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, you were walking in freedom, and God was doing all these incredible things in your life, and now you're, you're being led astray by this false teaching. He sa- so listen to what he says. He says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. And I, I just would say this to you. If you've been led astray, that wasn't God. It was not his intention for you and I to be led astray. His desire is for you to walk in freedom. He says, it certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. If you're not experiencing freedom... Just know God's desire is that you walk in freedom, in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. And so Paul, he's calling his people back. He's saying, you've been led astray. And you know what? If we're honest, a lot of us in this room have been led astray by false teaching at times in our life. And this this topic of study 
is one that is all the way through Scripture where God is saying, I'm inviting you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm inviting you to, to do some study, like invest time into, into understanding what the mind of God is that He's revealed in His Word and watch it bring change and transformation to your heart. Um, so let's, let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. Um, and as we sing these last couple songs, I just want to encourage you, uh, engage with all your heart. But if the Lord has challenged you in this, we've, we've talked about meditation and prayer and fasting and study. And if the Lord's challenging you in even just one of those, um, just while we sing these last couple songs, just make a commitment like, Lord, I'm going to I'm going to engage with this. I'm, I'm kind of a novice. It's not something I've really done before. I'm going to take baby steps, but I'm going to engage with it. And I'm asking you to reveal yourself in a deeper way. Um, so let's, let's pray. Lord,